What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing on Mr. Stan Dutton. He is a uh, uh, Dutton. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, sir. Stan Dutton, uh, online coach, gym owner, podcaster, and and as I understand it, not just coaching clients right now, but also building a, a coaching coaches sort of platform right now. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, so I'm doing. Uh, I'm I'm really getting very passionate about. Uh, the education side of of being a coach, and I think it's it's a space that we really need it, you know, because we get certified. And I think the one thing that's interesting is, you know, when you're a personal trainer, there are a lot of certifications. There's a lot of knowledge. You know, I, I know a lot of people who are not coaches. You know, they go out there and all of a sudden, uh, you know, they open up Instagram and there's like, you should never squat this way. You should never eat that way. You should only ever do this. But they're all contradictory. You know what I mean? There's like very loud people on one side that are saying you should, you know, never eat carbs. And then there are very loud people on the other side saying you should never uh, eat fat or you should never eat protein or should you, you should only eat protein. Right. Um, and the coach, like coaches get the same message. And I think pro- kind of the issue is that like, we also have a baseline understanding of the science. And so if you can like articulate a good argument for either side, you can sway people very easily. And so I think coaches get pulled in a lot of different directions. And so for me, it's like, I want to kind of be like that middleman and be like, hold on, what are we all saying? We're all arguing. Mm-hmm. Why are we arguing mm-hmm. on the internet? Nothing ever good, you know, nothing good ever happens there. Let's have a place where we can talk about this and really look at it and like zoom out a little bit, you know? I think so that, yeah, that's what I'm into. I think that that's also, <laughs> a, I don't know when I get too deep in this off tangent here, but I think there's something like a, the next gen form of education is like, there's, a lot of direct routes to, to you can get kinesiology degrees, you can get exercise, exercise science degrees, there's, you can get the NASM certification, there's a lot of certifications, but there's something happening in this new evolution of education where we're, we're kind of interrogating those traditional forms of education and coming up with better, I'm currently enrolled in Martin McDonald's MNU course, and I know that it's, you know, mm-hmm. what do I get at the end of that? Am I able to work in a hospital? No, it's not accredited in that regard, but you still it's, it's a secondary form of education now where people are looking at those traditional paths and thinking there's something missing. There's just something missing here. So I definitely see a gap in the nutrition and, and edu- uh, uh, exercise field, but also in all educational fields where we're like, we can do better in terms of the actual product that we're giving these people. 100%. And also like, dude, I've heard so many good things about MNU. Like I want to do it. I mean, I, I've heard, you know, seeing all of these coaches that have gone through that, like, their ability to really understand nutrition has gotten so deep, but also like it's so applicable. And and I think you're right. You know, to me, when I think about coaching and when I think about all the information that is out there about health, um, I can't remember what the, there's a statistic and it's, it's actually like incredible. Uh, I want to say it's like 80% of people feel like there are conflict more more than 80. I think it's like 85% of people feel like there's conflicting information about um, you know, about nutrition and about, uh, health and wellness on the internet or, you know, that they take in. Um, and I want to say like 60 or 70% of those people, uh, feel like it makes it very hard for them to choose what they're going to eat. And it's like, at some point, I, I think it has to come down to who are the voice people listen to. Like number one is going to be doctors. Number two, I think like personal trainers are like pretty high up there and like what the rankings were in the study. I'll, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Like, you know, there are these people who have the ability, they're very trusted by the public to really educate and to really do a good job. And I think it's, it's people like you who are like disseminating easy to understand and good information 
that I think the, the world needs to actually become healthier. And, and that starts with edu education, right? It starts with, in a lot of ways, we might not have been entirely prepared by getting certified or whatever. And, you know, that, that lack of preparedness allows us to be easily swayed because we have enough knowledge to like buy in and, you know, basically come up with reasoning for why something works. It sounds very scientific, but we haven't been taught how to like think about it and how to really look at the big picture. So yeah, I, I agree. And I'm all about tangents. So I mean, dude, get me rolling. And all of a sudden we're going to be, we're going to be like off in Narnia. Talking nonsense. That's <laughs> great. Uh, so, so the, the topic that I guess that we, I want the umbrella of this episode to be under is, is, is twofold or, or maybe it's very similar topic from two different spectrums, two different perspectives is how to be a better coach. And I know that your company is called better coaching, your podcast is called better coaching. And so I want to get your take on that. But I think what I want to talk about today is how to be a better coach, but also because I know a lot of the people out there that are listening are not coaches and they might be looking for coaches is how can we take the conversation about how to be a better coach and apply it to somebody who's looking for a coach and teach them how to better identify the coach for them. So, so just to start that off, it's like, what yeah. does better coaching mean to you? It's a, that's a, a really interesting question. And, and I think, uh, kind of on, on to me truly, like when I think about better coaching, like, what does that mean? And, uh, there's been a lot of work that I've kind of put into formulating, um, what it is, you know, in my head. And, and I think, uh, really like if I were to just very plainly say it, like, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a coach that doesn't just treat each person as though, uh, you know, they were, for example, like I was talking to my friend, John Flack and, uh, he was on the podcast. We were just talking and, uh, and he was like, you know, we we're going back and forth. Cause I'm a very big fan of calling myself a generalist where I'm like, I want to be, um, a little bit, my hands are in every single pot, just a little bit. And he's like, well, we want some specialization. You need to know who you're working with, stuff like that. I, was like, I agree. And, and I think really what it came down to for both of us is this belief of, uh, you know, not seeing people as their shoulder, you know, you don't want to just be like, this is just, they're just a body. Right. And, and I think that's where a lot of the times, you know, we were talking about all of this conflicting and confusing information out there. A lot of the times it comes down to people are talking about nutrition and food and habit change as kind of a separate thing from the person that's actually on the other end, right? Like, like there's a person attached to the shoulder. That person has emotions. That person uh, has lived experiences that will determine, you know, what their shoulder feels like even, right? And, and I think better coaching to me really means coaches who, who look at the human first and that coach the human rather than coaching the body because once you coach the human the body the body will figure itself out right like you can program a, a workout in many different ways like i could have you do five different styles of working out and it's going to work for everybody that's why we argue about it right we argue about what's the best way to train for something because every single thing if you look at the right studies will tell you that everything works the real question is like how do i get somebody to do it and like to me, better coaching is you're asking that question rather than asking what's simply the best way to do something because it might not work for that person. What was there a time? I know that I can see by by the facial hair that you're not a young boy anymore. Like, was there a time when you weren't when you didn't have such a comprehensive view of what a coach should be, and that what are some of the things that may have 
happened to you, I guess maybe broad brushstrokes, spark notes version of like how you came to some of these beliefs and philosophies that you have now, because I think there are a lot of people that they hear what you say and they're like, yeah, that's great. I treat everybody like an individual, you know, focus on behavior change, a bit more of a comprehensive style. And then they, somebody applies and they're like, okay, here are your macros. Like what, what happened mm -hmm. to you to make you buy into that? Like what are some of those experiences that happened early on? Number one, did you say that I don't look like a young boy because I have I don't think you I don't know if you can see it on Zoom. I don't know the the resolution of your monitor, but I have one gray hair oh on my chin. That's chinny, what I chin, spot. I zoomed in. Dude. So honestly, that came out only when I owned a gym. Like I owned the gym, I was like 24 and I got one gray hair right on the the tip of my chin and uh it was probably from like shitty business partners and stuff like that. Anyway, uh to me, I think, you know, the, the real, like the real moments, there was never like a, a day in which I was just like, boom, light bulb, like, oh my God, I'm doing this backwards. I'm doing this all wrong. I'm treating people like bodies, not treating people like people. Right. And, uh, and, and I would say that it's, it's happened over time. It's happened through talking to great people, through learning from people. Um, but it, it really like the, the moment for me was, a couple of years, you know, the, the first probably five years of me being a coach, owning the gym even, uh, it was when I started to realize that things just weren't working, right? Like I'm I'm doing what I thought was all the right things. Like you said, I'm, I'm saying I like motivational interviewing and habit change, but in real life, I watched, you know, a YouTube video or read a book about it and never really applied it. You know, like I read Atomic Habits by James Clear and would just talk to somebody and be like, cool. So like you're going to have an implementation intention, like see you later. Right. Or I would get really deep into macros and be like, cool, this is just what works for everyone. Right. And and then people would take it, they would run with it and then like it would stop working. And then I'm like, Fuck, like why are they not, you know, following through on this? Just stuff? do it. Like, I can't, you know. Yeah. Like, like, just do it. Like it, this is just the best way to do it. Right. And that was paleo. That was calories. That was intermittent fasting that was carb cycling like you name it i've i've told people to do it because i was doing it myself and in my brain this just works or it's like a buzzword that i was just using right and you know and i think the the thing is like you know to, to kind of point out and i know you know a lot of your listeners are there there are people who are into fitness that want to be into fitness and and maybe they've worked with a personal trainer before right and i want to point out number one like it's never if something doesn't work, if a trainer doesn't work, if, if something doesn't always go perfectly, it's never that the coach was coming from a bad place. It's not the coach's fault, right? Like it, human humans are so complex. Like we really don't understand people. Like if we get deep into neuroscience and stuff like that, like our perception of reality is like completely different person to person. Right. And and I think, you know, we don't all understand that. And it's very hard once you even know what it is when you start to learn this stuff to even apply it. And, you know, so when something doesn't work, it's not necessarily that the science wasn't correct. It wasn't that certain things weren't correct. It was just almost like we have to treat fitness and, and all this stuff like a big science experiment and where you have to test things and we have to figure out, you know, what would be right for that person. And sometimes it requires some failure, it requires some bumps on the way. And, you know, I think for me, it was it was just learning how to be flexible with my approach and to uh, to really ask a, a different question and to say how do I how do I instead um, you know really look at the person and help them tell me what what I need to do right like they're going to be my map I'm not going to use all of these different tools that I have as one big map 
I'm going to let them kind of give me the map, which is really helpful. And that's the basis of motivational interviewing, obviously, is like helping a client or the person that is on the other end of your service develop their own solutions. Um, and to share kind of a story as, as you were talking, I was like, it sounds very familiar. Like, I, I've done it all. I've told people to do it all and they, because it's things that I've gone through and that I thought worked at the time. And I think a big thing is is understanding a, a, a better a better definition of what works. Um, and I think I was 1920, my first gym, I was printing and selling meal plans and just starving people to death, giving people, I didn't even know how many calories they were because it didn't matter. I was like, oh, calories don't matter. You just follow this meal plan. And, and it was working, quote unquote. People were losing weight. I mean, by, by, I couldn't have told you why at the time because it was a magical meal plan. But the point was I wasn't actually dealing with the individual. I was dealing with what I thought to be just clones of one another, where it's like, okay, you eat this, you lose weight, and then and then what? And then you're not planning for what's next because all I've decided is that each person is exactly the same. You need to eat this exact same meal plan. And I think that it always comes down to like when you want to be better at something, you need to accept that you need to do the hard things. And the hard thing is the work on the front end to get to know somebody, to ask the hard questions, to get to the core of what they want. And I think that that is just, that's a mature quality. And I think it takes sometimes fucking it up. And, and I'll remember, I'll never forget one woman who, one of the first people I'd ever trained, she came, did the meal plan. I was super, she, I was held, you know, held her super accountable. She lost 80 pounds. I built my whole business on her back. Every referral came through her and she moved away. And, and you know, two years later, she, she had DM me or, or texted me and, wanted the plan again she's like well I, I gained it all back i need the plan again i was like it hit me that i had not taught this person anything i hadn't treated her like an individual i didn't know any way to help her outside of that because i hadn't bothered to figure out what are the things that she actually wants what is she actually motivated by and so i think doing the work on the front end to actually ask those tough questions and if you're listening and and, and you are a client who's considering a coach like you want to be looking for somebody who's trying to ask you those questions that isn't that doesn't have a cookie cutter questionnaire that doesn't ask you anything about yourself it's just like a height weight age uh, uh uh and 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 how many macros you're currently eating like that's not enough like we need to get to know these people dude uh you just brought up so many memories of like early days trainer stan working at this big box gym uh giving people my fitness pal and being like, I don't know, like how many calories does it tell you to eat? 1200. Yeah. Try that. Right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, also doing these things where it was like, I was the guy where I never was CrossFit certified. Uh, I instead just like would go into like CrossFit football, right. I would go into their website and I would just have everybody do their workouts basically. And uh, like I never that, learned yeah. how to do Olympic lifting. Like I never learned how to do this stuff. Like I would, you know, the way that I learned fitness was like unstable training was for advanced trainees. So I would be like, let's do a CrossFit workout on a BOSU ball, right? Because like it was just smash everybody. Like that was the culture of the gym that I worked in. It was like, I remember my my first boss, I like my first real job after school uh, was, you know, he, he looked at this guy who was training there and he was like, he's our best trainer. Everybody leaves their session like crying. He's like, that's, you want to be like him. And I remember being like, yeah, hundred like, percent. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get Harder to the point where I like, yeah, like I didn't get to the point where like I lit anybody actually on fire. Um, but it must've gotten pretty close. Like it was like, it was like moments away from like me getting out some gasoline, lighting people on fire and hitting them with a bat. Cause apparently, you know, 
the more tired and sore you get, you know, they're running around the parking lot while I hit them, I guess. And, you know, they'd be tired and sore the next day. So like, definitely like that was the measure that we were using was like, that would have been the outcome that everybody wanted was like, I weigh less because I burned off all the, uh, you know, the hair and the clothes out from my body and uh, I'm sore. So like, that was literally like how I was ingrained, like my first real, like people I looked up to at first, that's what I was given. And, you know, and I think like, uh, the, the, the hard thing though, like on the other end of that is I also know people, I actually, my first boss, uh, was this guy, you know, I worked the front desk at his gym. He was like really the first mentor. He was a person that made me want to be a personal trainer. And, uh, and I remember there was like a day where I was talking to him and, you know, he was like, I was like asking about how he does workouts for people. Cause it felt like everybody was always kind of doing the same things. They got in at, let's say eight o'clock in the morning by eight 45, they'd be sitting down and they'd be doing a bicep curl to press. But he had been training the same people for like 20 years and they loved him. Like he was invited to their weddings. He was invited to the kids' birthday parties. Like the dude was just a part of their life. And I remember I was like, how did, how do you do that? Like, do you do the same workouts for everybody? And he was like, yes, I have like, this workout for like this type of person and this workout for this type of person. I only do two different workouts, uh, depending on the person and depending on the debt. Right. And, uh, and I was like, like, how do you, how do you keep them going? Like, how do you do all this stuff? And he's like, I'm cool for an hour. And, and I think like that looking back was the most brilliant piece of advice I ever got. Like, you know, like you said, you're, you're, you're this coach and you're taking in all of this science and maybe you're getting very intelligent. You're learning quite a bit. But it's like that emotional intelligence, that ability to like connect with people and to to really want to or, or to really become like their 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 confidant, their friend, uh, that person where, you know, they trust you. Because I think the one thing I will say is like all of these pieces that are very important, you know, we're, we're going back and forth. And we're talking about, you know, we have to see the whole person and stuff. But like that starts with the foundation of trust. Right. So like if if you're someone and you're like, oh, I want to go find a coach, well, like really that starts with like find somebody you can trust and you can talk to because you you need to be able to have the hard conversations you need to be able to have the conversations about like hey i'm not doing good today hey i'm really stressed out hey i've been getting an argument with my you know my kid uh because he keeps you know leaving his dirty underwear on the bathroom floor and i slipped on it the other day right like whatever whatever it might be like you know you need to be able to have those conversations uh in order to to really get the coaching that you need. Um, and everybody's different. Like everybody's going to have that person that they trust the most. And, and that's it. It's like, you have to be able to talk to them. You have to be able to trust them. And once that happens, you're more likely to do the training program. You're going to follow the, the nutrition plan a little bit better. Um, and the coach can help to un unpeel the onion a little bit, but if you don't trust them, you're not going to let anything get peeled back. Right. Like you're, you're going to stop after a certain point. Yeah. yeah I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody who messages me and is like, man, that, you know, calorie counting, uh, that, that, that whole like calorie calculator thing you posted, man, let's, let's do some coaching. Like nobody hits me up because they think I have some fucking mystical formula that is better than other people's formula. I, I, it, people will message me, Hey, I'd like to, you know, hear about coaching. And usually it's coming from a place of like, Hey, like the way you're communicating and the way you're framing certain things, it, it sounds like we would get along. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need to find a coach, like, yes, look for somebody who's committed to up-to-date information, evidence-based approach, at least 
at the very bare minimum understands the science behind what we're talking about. But then go find somebody that you jive with and go find somebody that's talking in a way that really resonates with you, that you're listening, that you're not along with, that clicks with you, that, that, you know, says some of those hard truths that treats you like an adult, that, that, that doesn't, you know, a combination that doesn't beat around the bush, but also understands like that, that there needs to be some tactful approach. Like find somebody that you get along with. Like people don't hire coaching. They hire coaches. They want somebody, they want a person that they can connect with. And that's why I never, honestly, I don't know how many of them are listening right now, but like, I don't understand a coach that's doing only email coaching. Like you better see your coach face to face on a zoom. You guys better hop on a call. Like you need to get to know this person. Like that's the best way for you to build rapport. And I find out, I find out that, I look at my clientele and every time I do check-ins and every time I'm having these conversations with clients that like you're, you kind of attract what you put out and my clients haven't found me because I have some fucking mythical formula that nobody else has. Like it's because, you know, we have built a relationship based on who they are and who I am and what they need to best enact and, and, and bring upon from themselves inside, like what they need to do. So I think if you're out there and you're thinking about what kind of coach you need, like don't find somebody that looks the way you want to look. Like don't find somebody who, you know, is is just super smart. Like find somebody that you jive with that talks in a way that resonates with you, that that you feel you can connect with. Like this is a relationship like anything else. And personal training, online coaching is not dissimilar in that way. Like find a personal trainer, like you said, that's pleasant to be around because something you had said earlier is like so many things work. The truth is it's about... I always said to my clients, like, well, what, what about that lat pull down or this high row? And I'm like, work out 150 times a year. Like, let's start with like, show up 150 times a year. And the only way to show up is if you actually enjoy doing it, which goes back to like enjoyment and rapport building and, and having a connection with your coach being the base of that pyramid for sure. I, I agree. So like one thing that I, I kind of thought of there is uh, I think like the, the real piece, like a like you just have to talk to the person like before you sign up before you pay like talk talk to the person like I, I like the idea of doing consult calls like doing you know an application you come in maybe and you give them a little bit of information then you then you schedule a call um i think either a call or you, you meet them in person you have to have a real conversation with them but to me i think like the moment in which you know that it's going to be the right person for you is when you've done those things you're talking to them but it's not a, a experience in which they are just educating you about science, right? Like it's not like you're walking into a high school chemistry class and you're like, you know, they're sitting there and they're like, so this is the mitochondria. It's a powerhouse. The cell the only thing train this way. The only thing yeah. people remember from high school chemistry or biology. Whatever. Only thing I know. Yeah. Uh, but instead it should be self-discovery. It should be guided self-discovery. You should actually not leave that conversation maybe you do with a little bit of information new that's about about your body and about how you could train or about how you could eat but most importantly you should be leaving that conversation knowing more about who you are and every conversation should be more like that where like you're you're leaving that and you're saying i i know myself better i know maybe why i do certain things or why i've struggled in the past better because this person asked me questions this person guided me to an answer that I already had inside of me. And I think like that was something I learned. It was a very woo-woo way that I learned it. I think like the way that I learned that was like 
uh i, I want to say it was like somebody said that in like a very like the universe gives us all of the answers and they come from our chakras and our our <laughs> you know third yeah. eye yeah. our third eye once they're aligned um but i i actually think that's true like not the woo side of like the you know the energy and the vibrations just rising through you but what i do believe that that's true is like that everybody has the answer inside of them like and and we just have to sometimes be guided to that answer we just have to have that conversation you know we, we've had those conversations with our loved ones with our friends with different people where you are talking about something and because you've been able to talk about it, and this is why i think therapy was great for me was like uh what ended up happening was like there'd be questions asked and i would have to think about things i'd have to maybe see where you know who i i thought that i was and what i thought that i cared about and my actions didn't necessarily line up you know like best example that i have is like i went to therapy because i was very burnt out i was very much so in this place of like you know overworked hyper stressed like really really bad place you know it made me depressed and anxious and panic attacks it was not fun uh and i remember the the therapist was like basically had me do this little worksheet and she's like okay like what do you value and i was like my family what are you you know i value my health i value various things right well like how do you feel your your uh you know you working 18 hours a day like how does that align with your value of really caring about your family and i remember just being like in my head the whole time i've been saying i work really really hard for my family so i can have money but then i was like well i also am not home i also am in a bad mood all the time because i'm working all the time i also am never present because i'm sitting on my computer doing something that I had to do. Me doing this for 18 hours a day does not support my family. It's better for me to have $500 less per month, right? And instead actually do things that like bring joy to my family, right? Like there's there's the monetary value of that value being compromised was not worth it, right? And And I think like those are the conversations that require trust, they require this element of rapport and knowing that that person's not going to judge you like you have to not feel you have to feel like you're not going to be judged for sharing these things and for for experiencing that self-discovery and those answers that really are inside of you but you haven't seen that perspective um and i think to me like that's the that's the stuff that like actually creates change um the macros like you said they're not magic and people are successful with them and without them but really what's magic is when you can get somebody to say, hey, maybe this is something that I am capable of doing. This is actually, you know, something where I should do this because it aligns with who I am as a person. And and that's the that's the magic. That's the stuff that every coaching conversation that you have with a person um, that you want to have is it's, it's knowledge, but it's also self-discovery. That's a very long winded way to say that. But yeah, yeah. knowledge and self-discovery at the same time. I think you said something. I don't want to lose it. Is that like you you can often or should often as a coach walk people to the to the realization of hey i can do this and this is something i can do and this is maybe a way i can do it i also think that there's a lot of times where you're one of those more soft skills from motivational interviewing is where you're like pointing out some of that ambivalence and in a non-judgmental way and i think a lot of what we do as coaches our industry as a coach, most people come to me for fat loss, physique change. I want to look better. And while there are other things on their list, that's usually the thing at the top. And I think one of the best things you can do as a coach is help them reshuffle 
that priority list, that, that value hierarchy. And a lot of times you come, you help people come to the conclusion that, that that's not actually what they want. And it's not that, yeah, that, you know, you, when you were saying it, it was like, okay, walk people to the, to the feeling of I can do it. I think a lot of times we also walk people to the feeling of like, I don't need this to get the feeling I want. And I don't need to have visible abs to feel healthy and comfortable and confident in my clothes or or have my uh, significant other, you know, look at me in a certain way or whatever those things are that are more deep rooted. I find that a lot of times that, that conversation, those soft skills, those conversational skills, those motivational interviewing skills are about talking people into better understanding what they really want uh, by by nature of, of, you know, analyzing their, what they say they want versus their actions and, and helping them just identify what the trade-offs would be to get what they want and, and what does your life look like. And a lot of times it's a matter of helping people get to the point where they realize they don't actually want what they think they want and they can actually achieve what they actually want doing something else. Yes. Uh, one million billion percent. And I, and I think to me, that's like a, no, I, it, it's such a good thing to unpack too, because I think we have, we, we just, we live in a society, right? Where the, it's, it's always just this element of, um, the new thing, the better thing, right? Like, you know, you have to be this person or that person, or you have to have these things like, like fight club is my favorite, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies. And, um, there's that moment where like Tyler Durden says, he's like, you're not your fucking khakis. Right. And like, I just remember. And then like that, he's talking about, you're not, he, he's like basically going through the Ikea catalog and he's like, you're not, your like whatever couch. You're not yeah. this, you're not that, you're not the, your wardrobe, right. You're not your car. You're not your apartment. Um, and, and I think like, those are the, those are the conversations where, you know, you, you better understand why you want what you want. Right. Why do you, why do you want these things? And, and also like, you know, there's this outcome that we have in mind and this emotion that we're expecting to feel as a result of the outcome. I know a lot of people with a lot of money that are not happy. I know a lot of people with um, very impressive physiques that are not happy. I know a lot of people with all of these things that we've we've said are what will make us happy finally, when we can finally be bigger, stronger, leaner, whatever, m more wealthy, whatever. But they're never, they're never happy, right? Like it doesn't come from that. And maybe they're happy initially. And then all of a sudden, like, you have it for a little bit and then all of a sudden you're still sad. Right. And, and I think like it's understanding what are the things that, that really drive you in order to keep going. Right. Because that's the most important part is like, you can hit the 20 pound weight loss. Anybody, you know, anybody can do that. If you just like destroy yourself with, you know, a ton of uh, exercise and not a lot of food, but really it's like, if you do that in a sustainable way, how do you have the, the, the things that you need to be very patient? Um, because there's this, this more, you know, deep rooted, um, motivation, but also, you know, what are those things that will keep you going? Why, why do you keep going after you hit 20 pounds? Like, why do you stay consistent? Because, you know, what got you to, from A to point, from point A to point B, like you don't just stop doing that in order to keep where you were, right. To stay at the 20 pound weight loss, like there has to be a reason for you to stay. And, you know, I think that's like the idea of um, finite versus infinite games, right? Where you have a game that's finite, you go and you, you do a bunch of stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it just kind of like, like you win the game, you're over, you hit 20 pounds, like done, good job, high five, right? That's how people treat a lot of fitness stuff. It's like all of a sudden, like I hit 20 pounds weight loss. Like That's why you see those 90 day challenges is there's like a, 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 you know, almost like you're running a marathon and then you run across the finish line, right? Like you break the tape and you're done but that's it. Like then you're done. And then all of a sudden you just 
fall back in the behaviors. Just like you said with that client, I had clients where I never gave them skills. I just gave them meal plans. I just gave them workouts. Then when I left the gym or when they moved or whatever, it never was was still going, right? They, they struggled very, very much afterwards, right? And, you know, and, and I think like my, my favorite kind of model for like health is this thing called flourishing health. So like I had to Google it because I never remember all of them, but there's like six domains of flourishing health. And so it's like happiness and life satisfaction is one domain. Another one is mental and physical health. Another one is meaning and purpose, character and virtue, close social relationships, financial and material stability, right? And, you know, to me, it's like good coaching is going to like improve those areas, but never take away from any of them, right? Like I'm not going to teach people about finances. I, I have you know no idea what I'm talking about for most things when it comes to finance. I'm not going to tell you what companies to invest in. But what I can do is make sure that like, I don't put you in a position where I'm saying you need to buy the most expensive food and the most expensive, you know, things. And then all of a sudden you're like running out of money just to keep up with your nutrition or, you know, you're, you're not happy. Your life satisfaction goes down because of the diet and the nutrition. Right. And, and I just think like, it is one of those things where when we talk about health and, and wellness, we miss that. We only look at one, one sixth of the, the domains like that's like one slice of pizza right like if you take one slice of pizza out and you still have the rest of the pie you realize like oh my god like there's so much more pizza to eat right um i like pizza that's the easiest way to do it right um and there's eight slices so maybe i'm off a little bit but you take out one six like if everything else still isn't where it needs to be or is is being uh lessened as a result it's not gonna work and i think character and virtue is a huge one meaning and purpose huge right where if there's meaning and purpose and, and you feel like what your actions are, are, you know, they're aligned with your character, they're aligned with your virtues and you're a happier person as a result, like you're going to keep going. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You hit 20 pounds or you don't like, you're just, you're a happier person. You know, that taking care of yourself uh, in, in your health and being active and eating a certain way, maybe, you know, having nutritious food, like that is something that, uh, will improve the overall quality of your life. That'll make you feel more confident. And that's the only reason we do stuff is, is we do it because we want to feel a certain way. And a lot of the times we can feel that emotion well before uh, we ever get to the point of, you know, that number on the scale or that, that PR in the gym, right? Like that emotion of confidence of self-worth, that should really be the thing that happens very quickly as you start to see my body's amazing. And, and when that happens, you're winning. You're going to be, you're going to be good for a long time. So how does a coach, all I'm thinking about is the coach who's out there. And, and I have, this is kind of going to uh, kind of lead into another question I have, but how does somebody get to that point where they like, I, I think people will hear what you're saying and like, oh, that sounds well and good, but I'm a personal trainer. I'm not going to be talking about purpose and meaning and, 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 my, and financial stability. And like, how can we as a coach become more? And I think I want to lead into the next question is, what is the, like, if you ask a coach, like, what's your niche client? What's your client archetype that you're thinking about that you want to help? Like, or, or, you know, whatever, those things are a little bit reductionist and put people in boxes, but the coach that you want to help in better coaching, the coach that you want to elevate, what are they doing right now that they could be doing better? Like, what is the kind of person you developed your business around helping? Who is that person? What are they doing? That's a great question. Uh, and, and it's, I'm, I'm like the worst with that one because for me, like, uh, it's, I really just, I, I just try to give people the advice that I wish that I had and, and hopefully get the, get it to them 
before uh, they are where I was when I finally learned it. And, and I'm learning more all the time. And, and I think to me, you know, you don't have to be that life coach guy. Like you don't, I'm not saying like turn into Tony Robbins and all of a sudden start, you know, doing these like sold out events and talking to people about these things and jumping on trampolines like he does and you know, whatever, whatever Tony Robbins does these days. Right. Um, but I think like awareness precedes change first. Right. So, you know, awareness, awareness has to come. And so, so now like hopefully you are now aware of like, wait, you know, if I'm only ever talking to people about their physical health, I'm missing a big piece of this pie. And, and I think also like, you know, who's to say that you can't talk to people about their character and you can't talk about their, their sense of meaning. Like those are just good conversations to have. Like those are conversations you should have with yourself. Those are conversations that you should have with, you know, clients. That's a big part of it is like, you know, it's, it's very good to be like, Hey, like, who are you? Like, you know, when you kind of think about your values and about um, your, your identity as a person, like, who are you? Right. And, and I think a lot of the times, like that's where you can have those very meaningful conversations of, I am someone who cares about my family. I'm somebody who wants to have energy for my kids, for my grandkids, whatever. Um, and as far as like, you know, the, the archetype and the, the type of coach that I like to work with is, it's just people where it's like a profession for them. Right. Like, like you and I, like, we're not, we're not people where we're like, I'm just passionate about fitness. And so here's my Instagram page. Um, use my code Stan 25 <laughs> for uh, 25% off of, you know, CBD oil. Uh, and then Stan 50, if you want 50% off of my belly wrap, Ooh. right? Like I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like it's not those coaches. Like to me, it's, it's the people where they realize, you know, I maybe understand the science. I understand reverse dieting. I understand, you know, the, the bits and pieces. I don't understand how to put these components together um, because I think like we, we oftentimes we, we miss the big picture when we get so focused on just one piece, right? We, we miss the importance of stress, you know, um, and the fact that like stress makes it very hard to make a decision and, and we need to manage stress so we can make better decisions uh, that involve, you know, healthier foods, moving more, you know? And so it's the coaches where they, they really take it seriously and, and they have some experience that realize that maybe uh, all those little things that they learned, not always going to help them. Like, you know, just, just the macros, just the anatomy and physiology is not going to be all that they need. They need to see more. They need to see the rest. They need to see how it all fits together and, you know, the, the pieces that go together. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, I need to get like an elevate an elevator pitch for that. Cause people ask me sometimes and I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm just doing it for, for the people out there that want to be better. Like there's, there's no, there's no limitation. We got nutritionists, we got physical therapists, coaches. I'm like, I'm going for everybody. I don't know. I'm casting a wide net and seeing what happens. <laughs> I think I was on with Danny Matranga earlier this week and we talked about like you end up or you may end up, especially coaches who go into coaching, it becomes, whether you know it or not, your sole purpose in life to shorten the learning curve of what you had when you were younger or previously. Like, you end up being passionate about helping other people not make the mistakes you made. So I think the coach that you want to help is the coach you once were. And that that coach who saw body composition changes as the entire pie and as the root of all happiness and the, the bottleneck for people to finally love themselves. And I think... And I kind of want to, as you were talking, I kind of want to get your take on 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 where body composition changes fall in terms of a legitimate like goal for people and how 
it, when, when somebody's like, hey, I want a six pack, like there's going to be people on one side, they're like, yeah, that's great. Like you're going to feel great. It's awesome. And they're going to be people who look down upon body composition goals. Like, like, is it okay to have body composition goals? And, and, and w like, where would you say you fall in terms of that polarizing statement of like, okay, I want to look better naked. Like, like, how do you feel about that? I, I'm happy to, I don't want to word vomit my own opinion. I want to hear from you first and then I'll go. But like, where does that body composition fall? If there's people out there listening, they're like, I, you know, I hear what you're saying. I want to get more spiritual. I want to uh, uh, understand my purpose more. And I want to look at, you know, a view of health that's a bit more holistic. But I also want to, you know, whatever it is, lose 10 pounds, lose 20 pounds, have a whatever certain aesthetic physique. Like, where does that fall into play? Yeah, it's so... It's a very, it's a weird time, I think, probably more obviously for fitness professionals, because we're maybe following a, a, a diverse group of accounts where there are people on different sides of the aisle, and they're yelling at each other, or uh, we happen to be on one side, and you know, we're on one side, and we're yelling at everybody on the other side and saying, Oh, you shouldn't do that. Or, uh, or, or you aren't aware of it. And you're that person where you get the client and they say, I want a six pack. And you're like, sick, dude, eat 1200 calories. That was me. Right. Um, you know, here's your CrossFit, uh, and here's your 1200 calories. I was actually the guy that was like, I was so indoctrinated in CrossFit despite having zero qualifications to talk about CrossFit that I just like took Greg Glassman's word for it, which obviously is never a bad idea given uh, recent uh, uh, events. <laughs> He's probably the last person you never, should ever listen yeah, to. Yeah, never a good idea. <laughs> and like, uh, I was the person where I was like, CrossFit is better for everything. You wanna be a bodybuilder? CrossFit, bro. You wanna be a powerlifter? CrossFit, bro. You wanna be a professional hockey player? True story, had a kid, excellent hockey player. Team USA, CrossFit, bro, right? And then all of a sudden I read some uh, Christian Thibodeau articles on T Nation. And I was like, bodybuilding, bro. I was all over the place, right? But, you know, I think there's all of these different sides and, and everybody's kind of going back and forth. And, and either way, though, like to me, it's still, it's still losing sight of the big picture. It's still, honestly, like this is the extra hot take that I think will really upset some people. But no matter which side of that you're on, you're moralizing somebody's body. You're literally moralizing somebody's body and saying, you're not good enough because of your weight or saying you're you know you're a bad person because you care about six packs you're saying the same things you're saying that both like you're both doing the thing that you're accusing the other person of and i think to me you know really number one like if your goal is to have a six pack good like have it that is a that is a perfectly normal goal especially because we're told that you need to have a six pack to be sexy right um, I mean, I'm, I, uh, <clears throat> have been on my, uh, my quarantine training plan and diet recently and, uh, no six pack, but I'm still engaged. It's amazing. Um, and, and, and that's kind of where I think like people think that it's like very mutually exclusive where you have to be that like, woo woo, I'm doing this as self care, dude. And then the other side where it's like, I just need to be like a better looking person, right? Like I need to be like super cool. Number one, like if you're trying to be very like attractive with your body, like true story, I've started working out in high school because I could not get a girlfriend, right? I was doing martial arts. I really wanted to um, get better for martial arts. And then I found bodybuilding. I was 130, 30 pounds, I think was like the heaviest that I got into at that point. 
and I was like, if I'm like 145 pounds and five, eight, which is still very skinny, like maybe I can get a girlfriend. Um, and the, the path to get there was me becoming a recluse, uh, me working out after school. And like, that was it. Me eating stinky fish at lunch in school. Uh, nobody wanted to sit near me, Not let a alone damn talk friend. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Literally like an awful situation to be in. And 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 I think like that's the thing. It's like the the thing that got me the girlfriend was like me being like coming out of my shell and talking to people and having charisma and and being happy and and having like you know just this this like personality, right? And and I think like that's where the the flourishing model is great because we say, hey, like you know, there's close social relationships, there's um, health and, and sense of purpose and meaning, and like those are the things that that do kind of two parts. Where like that's that's the stuff that like you know you're gonna need to have sorry my dog barked you know that's the stuff that we need to have in order for us to be you know successful with um you know our our fitness goals of that internal stuff because the stuff that stops you from getting from point a to point b it's it's most oftentimes not the training it's not the nutrition most oftentimes it's the deeper stuff right and i think like regardless of what the end goal is doing the internal work to, to help reach the external goal goals is essential. And, and it doesn't, it's not woo. It's not, you know, it's, you're not soft. If you do it, it's, it's why you're so good. Right. It's, it's the stuff like I think about it. It's like, you know, um, people talk about self-care and how, how movement and food should be almost like an act of self-care. But, you know, on the other side, you also have people who are saying, if you're too stressed, you won't build muscle and you won't lose fat. Well, like, guess what? Self-care and stress reduction is the same exact thing if you do it right. Like there's a reason that like like Arnold Schwarzenegger would go to the beach and eat pies and like go for bike rides and like had fun, right? There's a reason you smoke in a joint after you won the Mr. Olympia. Because like stress reduction. And guess what? Like you your body can flourish when you're not like, you know, beating it to the ground with training, but also when you're not like stress to the gills with work, right? Like you could train perfectly, have a ton of stress, have a ton of all of these other external things and like, you know, fear of food, all of these different stressors and, and things that are just really going to negatively affect you. You're not going to get the most out of training. And it's going to be a lot harder to stick with it, right? Like the stress will make decision-making harder. You'll be exhausted. And instead of sticking to that meal plan that, you know, five years ago, you and I would have handed out or 10 years ago, you and I would have handed out, um, you're not going to stick to that meal plan and cook that food. Instead, you're like, got a frozen pizza in the fridge. I'm exhausted. It's been a long day of work. I'm going for that. You're the, well, guess what? From what I know, you're, you're, the, gotta figure that out. <laughs> you're the king of frozen pizzas, I've heard. <laughs> it's like you're the king of frozen pizza. <laughs> Big fact. Big fact. I like, the sh I like the shittiest ones, too. Hot take, Red <laughs> Baron. No, no, no. Red Baron. Oh, Red Baron's they're like, great. Dude, they're the best. They're like, usually they're like three or three to four of them for $10. And like yeah. the best, the best I, calorie I per dollar, best calorie per dollar on the market. Yeah. yeah. But ready? Like, that's exactly why I got into them. I actually got into them because yeah, like, I, I had very little money because I was starting the gym. And also because like, I was so tired at the end of the day that I literally like could not in my brain be like, I have crock pot food to microwave. It was like, Box open, oven in. Yeah, done. De debate actually cooking it and then eat. To um, and then, <laughs> go the forks either. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to circle back around, like body composition goals, like it's it's 
there's nothing inherently wrong. I think that's a lot of like the phrasing that we should be adopting is like, there's nothing inherently wrong with X, Y, and Z. I think it's not just what you do. It's the intent with which you do it. It's what you think you're going to get from it. I think body composition goals are fine if they're done in the right context. If you think you're going to be happy all of a sudden when you lose 10 pounds, or if you think you're going to all of a sudden fix your marriage when you lose 10 pounds, or you think you're all of a sudden going to, you know, feel better about other parts of your life when you get a six pack, like that's just not the route. And actually what's interesting is you said, um, doing the internal work to bring external change. I love that. I think that that's a, should be a pillar of all people's coaching. It's like, okay, let's look inward and see what we really want. And if we can put together some of the things that make me happy in terms of movement and nutrition, I'll end up with the external change that I get as well. But it's that internal work. That's, that's the base of that pyramid, way more important, the foundation. I actually think that there's also like when people talk about making body composition changes, I think the best thing about body composition changes is not that you are now leaner or in a smaller body. I think it's because like you're not more confident because you lost 10 pounds. You're not more confident because you're smaller. You're not more confident because you can lift heavier. You're confident because you, 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 you did the adult thing. You created a plan. You worked backwards from that plan. You executed. You did what the fuck you said you were going to do. You know, oftentimes when you didn't want to do it. And I'm not saying fucking grinding and starving yourself. I'm saying any plan that results in any sort of progress in any part of your life is going to involve doing work when you don't want to do it. And you're not more confident because you lost 10 pounds. You, you, you don't get more confident because you have a different body composition. Those goals can be in the, con in the correct context with the right guidance and coaching. They can be beneficial because they lead to an increase in self-efficacy through you actually uh, doing what you said you would do. And so when somebody comes to me with a body composition goal, you know, especially ones that are like very ambitious. It's like this, this, not only does this, this, uh, uh, this goal that you have, have a very high cost. I mean, you're going to sacrifice a lot. Um, but the only benefit, like if you think that you're going to love yourself when you get there, that's not the case. You might love yourself a week from now because you actually spent the time to put together a meal plan or, or like go food shopping and, and start to, you know, care a bit more about your nutrition and set yourself up in a, in a training plan that makes you feel good. Like, you don't realize that that body composition goal is just uh, a feeling of chaos wrapped in a, I think I'll feel better when I look better, when in reality, it's just a matter of getting, like I call it getting the train on the tracks. A lot of times when a client will come to me, it's a lot of feelings of rock bottom. You know, they, I want to look better. I just, I, I, I want to lose weight. And it's just a rock bottom mentality. And what they really want is they really just want to feel good again. They want to feel like they have a, a hold on their health. They want to feel like they're not floating passively like 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 a tumbleweed through life. They want to take it by the reins and actually just feel good again. And that feeling good doesn't have to happen when you arrive at that body composition goal. It happens on like week three when you've had three weeks of consistent working out and you feel better and you're sleeping better and you're you're walking taller and you're feeling more confident and you're eating more food or you're feeling better with more fruits and vegetables, whatever it is. I just think that there's body comp goals are just like a little bit of this uh, uh they're just wrapped up feelings of I, I, of chaos yeah and and i think like to me you use this word that like was in my head as you as you were kind of starting uh of self-efficacy right so like self-efficacy to give like a little, little definition i googled it just so i could have the correct definition but basically it's like it's it's uh someone's belief in their capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce uh specific performance attainments or uh the confidence in uh your ability to ex exert control um over someone's behavior uh motivation or over your uh behavior motivation and social environment right so to you or to, to me it's it's one of those things where it's like 
you know, as the coach, the goal is to create an environment in which that can happen, right? Foster that sense of self-efficacy, foster someone's sense of, you know, I'm doing things and I can have control over the outcomes, right? And and for the client, it's also, I think, uh, finding like bite-sized goals, right? Because I think the hard thing is sometimes when we set our sights very high, right? When we have that body comp goal, that is to lose 50 pounds, right? When you're always measuring based on that 50 pounds, like five pounds is small. Five pounds is, is you know, very small versus 10%. And you're like, shit, I still have 90% of the way to go. When we can find the smaller things, when we can find, start start to find confidence, start to find, I did work out for three weeks in a row. I, I, I you know, 80% of my meals were, were good and I hit my macros, you know, whatever it might be like, those are the things that build self-efficacy. And I think it's good as a client to know that because then you can start to say, well, hey, how do I, what are some things that I can measure to find success um, that allow me, because I need to keep finding successes along the way in order to meet, for me to really hit like that main goal. Like there's like, there's gotta be many, many goals along the way for sure. And that's a big piece of it is like finding those little tiny things, those little wins along the way, because it gives you more confidence. It tells you, rewires that story you know really behavior changes identity change right and so like you're you're taking on this identity of not somebody that is trying to do it not somebody that has tried and failed but somebody that's doing it right somebody that can do it and you start to realize you know i i i'm far more capable than i ever gave myself credit for and like when that happens like that's the that's the the stuff that like is just so essential within a, a coach and client relationship with your, your own fitness journey um, to really try to like find the, find the wins, find the reasons to keep going and, and the proof that you are capable of whatever this, this, you know, goal is or whatever it might be. And oftentimes for a lot of people, the vehicle is body composition, right? But that's not where it ends. It, it doesn't end with a body composition goal. That's what starts the journey. And then you find out that you like it. You find out that you're good at it. You find out that it makes you a happier, healthier, better person, right? And, and that's that's what keeps you going, right? Is it's not the 20 pound weight loss. It's not the 10 pounds. It's that your identity is now changed and you now are someone who just enjoys moving, that enjoys eating all of these foods or sees a benefit and, and, and gets a value in their life and is a better person because maybe they track their macros, maybe they don't right? Because they, they're eating nutritious food, they're fueling their body the right way. And that's it. That's long term change. That's, that's the life changer. If you get somebody who comes to you and, and, and inevitably, most of the people that are coming to you, most or a high percentage um, are looking for body composition goals, or, or think they are right. And we've kind of gone, we've kind of beaten to a horse the idea of like, they what they think they want is to lose weight, but they actually want is better self efficacy, more confidence. Do you point that out in the in the in the immediacy, or do you trust that through your coaching methodology and the conversations that you guys will have, that they'll start to appreciate some of those things, or are you like not calling them out by any means, but starting to break down that why, um, and be like, hey, yeah, I know you want, I know you want to get you know shredded or whatever, but I, I think what you know what we're going to do is you know by week three or four you're going to start to feel really great, or do you kind of just let that kind of stuff happen? Um, just by nature of wanting to keep this person uh, uh, in line with that and knowing that if you go through your coaching normal step-by-step uh, -step process, that they'll come to those conclusions on their own? Or how much are you pointing out that that's not actually what they want, that you really just want this? Like, are you are you having that conversation up front or are you trusting that 
by putting the train on the tracks, they'll recognize that feeling of, of, of autonomy and control and, 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 and self-efficacy on their own. That's a, that's a really good question. And I think like the, the answer is kind of in between. Um, I think one thing that people can do on their own that, that coaches can do with people is like, uh, I don't know if you've heard like the five whys, but it's like, yeah, I want to lose weight. Well, like why? Why do you want to sleep? Oh, because I want to feel a certain way. Well, why do you want to feel a certain way? Well, you know, why is that important to you? Why, why, why? Right. So five whys really gets to like the root reason that you want something or that something is happening. Right. Um, I think, I think that's like a good starting place. Um, a good kind of initial phone call face to face, right? You know, anytime the, 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 the kind of the target gets reset or there is a target or there is an obstacle even, right. That's a good way to kind of unpack and truly understand it. Um, but I think that it's, it's oftentimes as a coach, it's less direct and, and you never want to really, you always want people to kind of come to that conclusion on their own. Right. And that's where the five whys are great. You know, it's like, oh, well, actually I want to lose weight because, you know, I want to, um, you know, feel really confident. And then maybe that begs another question of like, well, what are some other ways we can help you feel confident? Because I want you to, um, you know, experience that along the way. Like, obviously it's very motivating when you feel more confident after a workout or whatever. Um, but I think also like, like I mentioned it when we were talking about, you know, being a coach and figuring out, you know, kind of where to start with this stuff is like awareness precedes change. And, uh, and I think the, the cool thing is like when you do have a relationship with somebody, um, even when they're just starting, like a very, uh, like kind of a sneaky thing that I do all the time with people is like, I always ask a question. I'll be like, oh, like, you know, how are you feeling with, um, let's just say, for example, like they were, uh, they were really struggling with, uh, let's just say, you know, hitting their macros every day. And I'm like, kind of noticing that their macros are getting a little bit better. I'm like, how are you feeling with, um, with like, you know, your consistency with, with hitting macros. Cause it seems like things are going very well. And like, sometimes I think we, we have these underlying stories that just aren't true. Always. We have these underlying stories that are like, I'm bad at my nutrition, you know, these, these like self-limiting beliefs and these underlying thoughts that are like, I'm a bad sleeper, right? Like, Oh, I have terrible sleeping habits. I can never get a good night's sleep. Like the more you tell yourself that, the more likely it is like you're laying in bed and thinking I'm a bad sleeper. We're like, yeah, of course you're not going to sleep all. Well. You're too busy thinking about that than falling asleep. And, and I think like sometimes when people have that conversation and they just, just get asked a question of like, Hey, have you been sleeping a little bit better? You know, maybe they're noticing like, you know, my sleep wasn't very good. I started to exercise and then I started sleeping better. And they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like I've been getting eight hours. I'm sleeping through the night. I hadn't slept through the whole night in years all of a sudden it's like, I'm, what I'm doing is working. Like now I have like a little bit of evidence that tells me that all of these little things that I'm doing really truly are adding up. And so it can be guided a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you can, you can, um, set these mini goals. Of like I want to work out three times a week, whatever it might be, but yeah, you know, a, a million percent to me, it's, it's something where, uh, understand that true why, but also, uh, finding finding the little bits and pieces that the evidence to support uh, the actions is very very helpful and guidance is very helpful there too. Yeah, you're identifying additional markers of progress and and oftentimes ones that are outside of what the person originally wanted. I think the I think the more times you can find things that are going well, the more you keep going. And I, I, one of the best pieces of advice that a mentor has given me is like, as a coach, it's your job just to get your clients today to not quit. And 
if you can continue to identify things that are going well, that are making progress, maybe it's not on the scale. Maybe it's not in their clothes. Maybe it's not in the photos. Maybe it's not in their sleep. You find something you're like, how's your relationship with food? Like, how's, how are you with saying no to things you typically say yes to? Like find those wins wherever they are so that you keep putting one foot in front of the other and inevitably good things will happen. Whichever goal that you're after, if you're finding little like gems along the way to like keep you moving forward like you'll inevitably get there and i think that that coach's job is to not like tell you what to see but show you where to look and and it's it's to not uh uh say you know you're sleeping better right it's like hey how's your sleep going and they're like uh, hey like uh, you know it seems like you're being more consistent with like do you like how are you going how are you feeling with this um identifying those additional markers of progress because you'll have a very tunnel visioned uh, most of the time people have a bit of a tunnel vision on on one of those markers so if you have a powerlifting client it's like okay how's my strength going if you have a fat loss client it's like what's happening to the scale like you get very myopic you get very tunnel visioned and it's your job to kind of widen that scope of gaze and and catch some of those additional markers of progress that that they can continue to just keep moving dude i mean exactly and, and i think like that's where you know going back to like model for flourishing health is like what are the other components? Like, have you noticed you're in a better mood? Have, you know, how, how's your mood been recently? How, how's your energy been? You know, have you had, um, you know, maybe like a, a better, uh, you know, mood that's, that's made it more fun to be around the kids. Like, you know, little things like that. Like, how are the kids doing? Have you been, you know, going for walks with them at night still? Like those little things where it's like, there's, there's just this overall, uh like you said it perfectly of like telling people where to look and and sometimes like we get so fixated on one thing like you said it's it's very hard to see the rest we get those blinders but you know when you open your eyes and you see you see wow you know i'm actually just i, I am who i wanted to be all along and the weight is maybe a side effect of that like the the weight changes and, and stuff like that i think like people get all into this like diet versus anti-diet you know communication of going back and forth and saying you should never ever worry about the size of your body and you know and i do believe like you can be healthy at any size of your body like i use daniel cormier all the time as my example like daniel cormier uh former double champion ufc heavyweight light heavyweight the dude is not like if you looked at him walking down the beach shirt off you'd be like dad he's not, he's not woodley no he's he literally like he's he just looks like a like a dad he's got like a little bit of a belly you know you know, he's definitely a little bit more muscular than the average person, right? But crazy conditioning, amazing fighter, ex literally like excellent athlete, and you know, was in the Olympics for wrestling, right? But uh, but I think you have to look at that and say, like, you know, he is probably healthier than I am, and he weighs literally 100 pounds more than I do. <laughs> Tyson Fury. <laughs> You Tyson know? Fury. <laughs> Tyson Fury looks like I would if I was like seven feet tall. If quarantine lasted another couple food. of months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I somehow got way taller. Yeah. Like yeah, a, yeah. More I, than a foot taller. The, the, the healthy at every size conversation is one that we will have to table. But I, yes, it's certainly possible. And yes, it's not. You can't assume based on body size. Absolutely not. I think and and it just goes back to like you're not actually after body composition changes. You're after improved feelings of self-efficacy but man that's not sexy but you're you'll realize like the, there will be clients of mine that just make that transformation look back and they're like that's what i'm most proud of i'm most proud of like 
being able to have a slice of pizza with my family. I'm most proud of like being able to say no to a slice of pizza with my family. I'm more proud of like owning my decision making and conscious uh, recognition of the trade-offs and not just living my life like a tumbleweed where I just feel anxiety about food all the time. Like, yeah, I look, I look better too, but like, that's not what I'm most proud of. And I think most people need to recognize that, like not need to recognize it. It's not, it's not, I don't expect people to, to, to without guidance, you know, shave the onion down and get to the deep, dark depths of what they really want. That's the coach's job though. And that's kind of the, 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 you know, the, the, the culmination of this podcast is like, we need to help. We need to be helping people recognize what they, what they're really after and devise, uh, like devising a plan that that's going to get them there. Not where they say they want. We need to help people get what they need or not what they say they want. And we need to help them realize that there's a, there's oftentimes a difference between those two things. Absolutely. And dude, also like if you're a client, uh, you could also do a little bit of that unpacking ahead of time and just like, Show up and be like, check out this onion. I unpeeled it for you. <laughs> it's want to give it, it a go. Stinks. Here are some tissues. You're gonna start crying yeah. any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know what? Like, I think it's it's really one of those things where it's, you know, people want self-efficacy, like you said. But I think it's it's also just like you want to be the person that you feel like you are. Like, you want to be that person that, like, you know, you know, if you were to like that that thing that kind of drives you, and maybe you associate a weight a number with that you know, maybe it has to do with health, maybe it has to do with whatever. But I think, you know, really like when you, you know, that core of the onion, whether you like acknowledge it or not. And I think sometimes that, that requires like you to, to, to really get in touch with that and know, like I'm doing this because I just want to be the best version of myself. And, and maybe that is a number on the scale, but most likely like that's just a way of being a way of, a way of feeling and, and how you show up for the world. Um, and that's it. Like that's that's the most important part. For sure. We're coming up on an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the conversation. I very much so appreciate the tangents. And uh, I know my audience does as well. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Listen, listen, guys, really quick. If you guys don't follow Stan, I forgot to add Memeologist to his resume there. And uh, he's one of the best in the business. So if you're looking for a kick and if you're looking to have your feathers ruffled, like head over to Stan's page. So to tell everyone where they can find you, it, it, your, your information and the way you communicate it is some of my favorite on the internet. And I'll let you talk in a second. There was something else I wanted to say before is that it's like I bring a lot of coaches on this podcast and I try and bring coaches that come from a slightly different point of view and view the industry from a slightly different point of view. And overall, like you're someone that that I've identified as someone who's not just looking to make money as a successful coach, but also just elevate the industry and speaks a lot about how coaches can better serve their clients. And I think that there's a lot, I resonate with that and a lot with, you know, your content is very nuanced and very much recognizes both sides of a lot of arguments. And um, it just is the kind of content that we, that more people need to see. So shout it from the rooftops, man, tell people where they can find you. Uh, dude, that means so much. Uh, I very, very much so appreciate that. And I think, uh, you know, to me, it's one of those things where we're told a lot of times by business coaches, you have to be polarizing. So you kind of have to choose one side. And to me, I think actually being polarizing is being in the middle because you're not on anybody's team that pisses a lot of people off. And I love it. Um, but I, I also don't get mean comments very often. And like when I do, I actually have shifted most people onto like the middle ground, which is great. And you know, and, and I think to me, it's it's one of those things where, 
the memes are fun. I love them. You can find me on uh, Instagram. Uh, my handle is at stand.dutton. And then the one for uh, the Better Coaching Podcast is uh, bettercoaching.co. Um, also our website, bettercoaching.co. Um, we have amazing people we have coming on. You'll be coming on. Uh, I'm going to email you a link to, cause I feel like this conversation is amazing. We could have so many cool tangents and, uh, and yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's like, that's, that's the goal is just bring everybody kind of under this like value system of saying we want to help people. And that's why we all started. And, you know, maybe we need to stop the the bullshit of like yelling at each other and, and instead like really get to the root cause and see the big picture. Like we're both right on most, on most things. You know, everything we argue about, both sides have a good point and we should listen. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I very much so appreciate coming on and, and I, I'm a big fan of what you do as well. Thanks, bud. It's a blast. And uh, for everybody out there listening, go give Stan a follow. You're going to love his stuff. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I will see you guys in the ne- next episode. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you enjoyed it, if you found value, do me a favor and take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your social media. If you do, tag me so I can say thanks. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram, or you can email me, jordanlips at jordanlipsfitness.com, or check out the website, jordanlipsfitness.com. I'd love to chat. Have a great day.